I put the tapestries there to kind of make this like a, an office in a room. If not, you just see into the endless void and all the people I have back there. I like them. They look nice. They look like the like the top trees. Is, I feel like. Hello everyone, welcome to the world of NBA. No Josh Engelman today because he wasn't brave enough to face down this 13-game slate, but have no fear. I am here, Chris Spaggs, as always. I guess not as always, as occasionally here, but I'm joined by a man who is always here giving you the good takes, catching it before the show. He is crushing in real life. Now he's ready to crush for NBA for you. He is Adam Scherer. Shit my money. How are you doing, Adam? Uh, Doing okay. M- Mondays, are, Mondays are my new, like, it used to be a bit I would do shows with Emac just super hungover on Saturdays. I feel like that's become the Monday show for me, but uh, doing, doing well. Um, football sucked again yesterday, so that wasn't great, but whatever. Yeah, there's always a new opportunity here. Of course, NBA is going to be the big opportunity today. And again, it's a lot of games. So there's going to be some opportunities on you guys, for you guys on the slate to get different, to find some ways to get unique. And there are, of course, going to be some very chalky players, in particular in the world of backup centers that we're going to hit on here. But guys, we are getting going here. Of course, this show is presented by Underdog. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Of course, a platform I'm very familiar with, know and love, and glad to talk to you guys about it. A little bit more coming up in a bit. But Adam, any overarching views for you on the slate? Of course, we are going to try to make some good time here going game by game, but it is a Nick Richard slate is an Isaiah Harkenstein slate. It is Omer Yurt seven slate. So it is going to be a fun one here amidst the 13 games. But anything you're seeing in terms of the overall approach that you want to highlight, I guess, before we go into the minutia of the game by game. Yeah, I mean, pretty much my first look at it. But anytime you pull up ownership and it is Nick Richards, Hartenstein, Hardaway, Yurt seven and Seth Curry at the top, it uh, looks like an interesting slate. It is an interesting slate to get into, guys. Let's start off with Miami. 113 implied points for the Heat. Charlotte, 109 implied points. No Bam Adebayo in this game. Tyler Hero still out. Uh, Mark Williams, doubtful right now. So he's going to be an important play here, expecting him not to go. So you mentioned Nick Richards' chalk, looking like it'll be the chalk du jour of the day. No Lamelo in this one as well. Uh, but there are some interesting players on the Miami side and certainly more so on the Hornet side. Uh, where are you going in this one, Adam, where we do have Caleb Martin projected decently well? Um, Jaime Jaquez, I think, looking like a not bad play. Orlando Robinson filling in at center. A uh, bit of guy about a point, well, 1.08 fantasy points per minute on the year. Um, and these guys stand out to you as being worthwhile plays today. Uh, so attempting to pull up the boom bust tool, but the screen's frozen. Uh, there it goes. Um, good, good spot for Miami. Uh, obviously, Charlotte is one of the more appealing matchups that you're going to get. Uh, in terms of ownership, the only guy really getting anything is Kevin Love at 5,200. We have him getting 13% ownership, 13% chance of being optimal. That looks fine. Um, if you get to other pieces of Miami, I think, you know, again, it's a good spot. It looks good. But uh, Butler's priced up to 8,900, only getting 1% ownership, 1% chance of being optimal. Haquez is at 6% ownership, 7% chance of being optimal. Uh, surprisingly kind of unappealing Miami team overall because of the pricing, despite the good matchup. Yeah, Kevin Love is the one coming up to me a little bit more in the sim before the show. I got 21% of him. Obviously, the dual position eligibility power forward center seems like an interesting play. Uh, But I think that covers it well for the Heat side. Charlotte side, though, uh, you do have a lot of guys projected well. You have Terry Rozier projected decently. Miles Bridges, of course, is what's going to happen when there's no LaMelo ball out there. Uh, Gordon Hayward, I think not a bad projection on him. But Nick Richards is the chalk. So Adam in this spot, obviously, people are going to be flocking to Nick Richards. I guess the first question would be, um, do you think Nick Richards is one of those players that you want to get heavy up on? It does seem like sim-wise, getting about half the lineups, which feels like a decent approach to me. You're getting above the field, uh, but not going crazy here. But is Richards the kind of guy you're willing to trust, I guess, at, at decent amounts of volume? Yeah, I mean, at that price, he's just still cheap at 4,600. He's a good point-per-minute guy, around 1.1 for the uh, fantasy points per minute. 
for the season. It's not an ideal matchup, but you are missing Bam, which is nice on the Miami side. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, I kind of expected Richards at this point on DraftKings with how their pricing's been this year. I kind of just expected him to be like 5,600 by now, and he's not. So uh, him coming in at 4,600 just looks good. We do have him going over owned. 37% ownership, 17% chance of being optimal. So going quite a bit over one, but I still expected that salary to have trouble getting away from him. Obviously, we do have some other opportunities to go around and get no Lamel in this game as well. And, you know, Richard certainly, or uh, Mark Williams is going to open up some rebound opportunities at the uh, 20% rebound rate he's had on the year. But you have Rogier, you have Bridges. These guys are all projected for a little bit of ownership. Gordon Hayward, uh, and it's worth pointing out, Gordon Hayward and Rogier not going to be exactly chalky, projected for about 10% ownership on those guys. You know, your Hornets to you seem like a priority player. You just kind of mixing and matching them with really the price tags not looking the most inefficient by any stretch. Yeah, I think the pricing has come up at least somewhat. You know, like Terry Rozier obviously is going to look good without LaMelo, uh, but he is up to 8,300, getting 10% ownership. I think that's fine. Miles Bridges certainly gives you a nice ceiling, but he's power forward only at 7,700, getting 5% ownership. PJ Washington has the potential to play a bit more, probably will be in the closing lineup at 5,700 in the last game that Mark Williams missed. Uh, Washington played 28 and a half minutes. He wasn't very good against the Bulls, but he got the minutes. Uh, so at 5,700, I think he looks pretty good. We have him going a little bit under-owned, 11% chance of being optimal, 9% ownership. So uh, other than Richards, I think it's likely that Washington is actually the guy I get to next. Um, the field's getting to a little bit more Rozier and Hayward, who both look fine as well. Anything you're doing rules-wise, because you mentioned Washington potentially closing over Richards, is that something you're looking at at all, or would it be okay to play both guys relative to a decent price tax for both of them? Yeah, I think you can play them both. I mean, you're probably still like in that game, the the last game that Washington was out um, or Williams rather was out. Um, Washington played 28 and a half minutes. Richards didn't close, but he still played 27 and a half. I think at their respective salaries that you can still get enough minutes for both of them. Let's keep it going, guys. Here we got a lot of games to hit on today. And the next one should be a pretty fun one here. Very high implied total, 247 points this one. Indiana, a 127 implied total for them. On the Detroit side, 120 implied points for them as well. So uh, Detroit's certainly a team that does lack some firepower. Jalen Dern still out. Uh, Bagley, doubtful in this one as well. Uh, but still going to be very high scoring here against a Pacers team that obviously is allowing barn burner games of pretty much everyone here. And on the Pacers side, I feel like for this one, Adam, I think it's really... Halliburton or bust Halliburton, of course, coming in in a great end season tournament. Uh, the rates for him looking up uh, really across the board for everything. 1.5 fantasy points per minute. I'm on the year. Uh, just shy of a 50% assist rate, just shy of a 25% usage rate. I feel like Halliburton and Miles Turner are the only guys on the Pacer side that I see here, but the game environment so appealing, Adam, is there anybody you really would want to go to on the, the Pacer side of the equation? No, we're on the same page there. Uh, Halliburton, if you can get there at 10, nine, it's going to look good. Miles Turner at 7,300. Very fair price tag. Uh, obviously, in their last game in the champion, or yeah, the championship game against the Lakers on Saturday, uh, Miles Turner was in foul trouble the entire game, ended up fouling out. You can't really look into that as far as playing time goes. You're most likely getting around 32 minutes or so. So 7,300 in this spot, he's going to look good. Um, other than that, though, it's difficult to get to most of these guys at their salaries. Um, Obi Toppin, Benedict Mather, and Bruce Brown, healed, all just kind of priced on DraftKings where they should be. Yeah, I agree. It definitely seems like an appealing game environment, but really uh, price tag wise, projection wise, Halliburton and Turner are basically it. And um, that's pretty much like how it's going to go for most people tonight. Did get a little bit of Isaiah Jackson uh, relative to the price tag as well on the Sims, but nothing too much to know uh, for any of you guys out there. Uh, Detroit side, theoretically getting more of a benefit there going against this Pacers defense. Does seem like we're expecting a good amount of ownership going uh, Cade Cunningham's way, about 16%. So not slate breaking by any stretch, but a good amount in a 13 game slate. Uh, besides that, though, it does seem like Bogdanovich popping up a little bit. Sim 
sim-wise. Uh, Killian Hayes and Jay Nivey theoretically getting a little more opportunity here. Uh, both guys priced decently at around 5,500, 5,300 at point guard. Uh, but Adam, is there anybody here you'd view as a priority? Because I got more Hayes and Ivy than I would have expected. But besides that, it just feels like a smattering of most of these guys. Yeah, I think it's just a really good spot in general for Detroit. Obviously not a very good team, but uh, Cade Cunningham at 8,200, point guard and shooting guard eligible. He's going to look pretty good, pulling 16% ownership. Uh, Boyan at 6,500 was very bad against Orlando. Uh, had a lot of him that disappointed, but that's a much, much more difficult matchup than he has tonight. He still played 28 and a half minutes, despite that game being a blowout and him not playing the final like five and a half minutes of the game. Uh, the playing time is there. The salary is still very reasonable, albeit higher than when he first came back. Uh, Killian Hayes just staying in the starting lineup, playing a bunch of minutes. He's 5,500, getting 17% ownership. All three of those guys look pretty good. Um, Jaden Ivey was in the rotation last game, came off the bench, played 21 and a half minutes. He's tough to trust at 5,300, but... You know, if he's playing well, certainly could play his way into more minutes. We do have him going a bit under owned at three percent. Um, any Wiseman for you at all here? Feels like with all the center plays we talked about, he's one guy that projects decently, but not coming up a ton ownership wise under one percent ownership. Uh, didn't get him on the sim, but he does have a decent boom rate on him. So, would you play any Wiseman here with him projected for twenty five and a half minutes today? Uh, with again Bagley being doubtful. Yeah, it's if he starts, then yeah. I think if he's coming off the bench, then. It's really risky. You know, last game, like obviously Bagley was in uh, last game, but even in the second half, uh, Bagley got hurt. Jaden Ivey was the immediate sub for Bagley. Uh, Wiseman played about five five minutes or so outside of garbage time in the second half. So uh, if he's coming off the bench, I still don't have much confidence in his playing time. If he does get the start, then sure. But I think it's more likely that you see Stewart at center and Jaden Ivey in the starting lineup. Yeah, definitely a fertile game, but projection-wise, nothing here is really being forced there too meaningfully. Uh, but again, expect to get some Killian Hayes if you're using the stochastic projections. And besides that, little Cade Cunningham, perhaps. But um, do you think Cade is enough of a ceiling here? Like, the rates have kind of come down from a little bit. Only 1.06 fantasy points per minute. Like, do you think there's a shot that Cade could have an outlier day here? You know, against the Pacers scene that everybody's having outlier days against. Yeah, I mean, the matchup obviously gives him a higher ceiling. But also, we've only gotten a couple games of Boyan being back. And I think that's going to open things up for Cade. Like, he's a very good playmaker. He just kind of doesn't have guys on this team that can actually make shots. And Boyan is somebody that can. Uh, Boyan also spaces the floor. So I think that you're going to see from, like, here to the end of the season, Cunningham's points per minute be higher than they were from the start of the season to now. The assist rate's been there for him, so you got to think having some more shooters around him going to open things up in terms of the assist rate. It's also the actual opportunities for Cade himself, but it seems like a fun game. There's nothing here is going to be a high priority, but certainly one where if you take a few pieces from it, in some of your lineups, you can definitely capture that upside potentially. Uh, next game we have up, Cleveland, 112.8 implied points in this spot. Orlando, 114.3 implied on their end. Uh, the Cleveland side going to be no Evan Mobley in this one, no Karis LeVert, so it does seem like there are a few plays that should get a bit of a boost. And kind of surprised to not see a little more ownership going Donovan Mitchell's way, only five percent projected for him i got him at 12 percent in the sim obviously i think you make the case go a little bit higher jared allen looks pretty projected or pretty well projected in this spot again no evan mobley uh garland i think is the one play i'm not really getting to too much but adam it feels like the spot where you're missing two key pieces for you know this cleveland side at least based on how these guys have played this year are you getting to mitchell or are you getting to allen is you getting to anybody at a meaningful rate yeah i mean i think it's just tough because of of, of the matchup and the prices are up you know mitchell's up to 9500 garland's at 7700 uh, the highest owned guys right now on this team are Mitchell and Struess at 5% apiece. Um, it's tough, I think, to prioritize them. Clearly, you know, if you're getting to the main pieces here, it's fine. Uh, $6,700 Jared Allen at 3% owned is always going to be somewhat appealing, but uh, none of these guys really look underpriced to me. 
Yeah, that's a reasonable way to look at, of course, Adams had some success with Jared Allen recently, so I definitely get uh, wanting to go back there a little bit, but definitely looks like a solid play. Obviously going to be a different price here than a lot of the chalk today. It's like that's sort of the case you make for Jared Allen, but these guys, you know, well projected, not really standout projections in a meaningful way. And that is why we're going to see about 5% ownership for everybody in the Cavs. The Orlando side, uh, I think there's not a single thing here I'd point home to. Uh, Franz Wagner, I think, looks okay on uh, the Sims, but even that, getting about 2% of him. Uh, got a little bit of Paulo Banchero, Banchero, uh, not much else besides that. It feels like this Orlando side, again, ugly matchup, like Adam mentioned. I feel like for the Magic, Adam, there really isn't anybody at all I could even make a decent case for. Yeah, I mean, outside of just saying Paolo Bancaro is good or Franz Wagner is good, I don't really know how you argue for these guys at these prices in this matchup. Yeah, not the prettiest matchup overall. I think the Cleveland side's got a little more to it, but um, yeah, not the prettiest one to go to for sure. Uh, let's keep the pace going, guys. And if you can't smash that like button here, of course, it's a big slate to hit on lots of games here. So we're trying to get a little more bridge than we might normally do on the strategy show going game by game. But hit that like button if you can. Of course, Stochastic uh, always marching forward in terms of the subs. So help us keep ahead of that YouTube algorithm. Hit the like button down below. And of course, we will be talking about uh, some of our, our providers here, the underdogs who are helping us put on the show in a little bit. Let's talk Washington. Washington, 116 points. Three implied points. Philadelphia, the questionable Joel Embiid, a 127.8 on their side. We've seen this matchup recently. Washington, I think, looked a little more game in that one, but projection wise, it feels like Washington not coming up too well. I could see getting to some Tyus Jones in the sim relative to the price tag. I think he's uh, landing for me for the same reason that Killian Hayes and Jade Nivey were uh, with that just about 5K price tag, 5,400 for Tyus Jones in the spot. But Wizards wise, Adam, anybody on your boys here that you want to actually get to because it feels like Another team called like flots and pieces that you can get to, but really nobody that stands out. Yeah, it looks like another team to me where, you know, if you want to fit one of the main guys in as a contrarian play, that's perfectly fine. But uh, right, if the slate started right now, 4% Tyus Jones would be my highest owned guy from Washington. I have 2% Gafford, 1% Kuzma, and that's it. So um, overall, just a team that I'm struggling to get to. They are double digit dogs in Philly, which certainly doesn't help either. Yeah, it's, it's really ugly here. And I, I know we talk about this whenever I do a show with Adam. I feel like I have to do the Jordan Poole update. Jordan Poole, just awful this year, man. 52% true shooting, like the fantasy points per minute down under 0.93. This is not what I expected for him. Like, I really thought he would get 35% usage, maybe start to assist a little bit more, like at least be you know, kind of a Jordan Clarkson type. And I feel like this has been the most disappointing run out for Jordan Poole now that we're 20 games in. Like, he's effectively a worse player in every metric than he's been for the last few years of his career. Yeah, he's been awful. Um, I thought he was going to, at the very least, be a good DFS option, but he really just hasn't been. Like, at the start of the year, if you told me that in the middle of December, Jordan Poole was $6,500, I'd assume it was a mispricing and that we're just slamming him in. But instead, he's just like an afterthought, and nobody cares. You're not rebounding, not assisting, you know, shooting less than Kyle Kuzma. Things are not looking great for Jordan Poole. Yeah. Even in, though he's had some fun, of... memeable moments. It's nice to have him in the league, but I feel like on your favorite team, probably not the most fun. Yeah, I mean, in terms of EPM so far this season, the only players on the Wizards worse than Jordan Poole have been Koulibaly, Johnny Davis, and Mike Muscala. Oof, that's it's so sad. I mean, he's getting paid, so I guess he can't be mad about it. But yeah, like, I, mean, I think I think he's uh, enjoying his life, but uh, not it, it, the same the same bars that you're hanging out with. He's, he's right. got some bars. <laughs> Yeah, for uh, Jordan Poole here, not the guy, but may maybe he'll get there in the back half of the season. Just really, it's it's jarring to do these shows every few weeks, and it's like, man, he has not improved at all, and that's definitely the case here. Um, 
On the Philadelphia side, again, Embiid being questionable is a big item here. It does seem like Embiid projecting incredibly well right now. Simwise getting 11% of him, so I'd be right with the field's expected ownership, about 11.5% projected on DraftKings. But Embiid's been great this year, I think, playing the kind of mini Jokic role for the Sixers. Obviously, if he's out, going to open up a ton of opportunities for Tyrese Maxey. He's filled in, and Maxey, even with Embiid in, already projects pretty well, so I do think Maxey would come up. But I guess right now, if we're going to assume Embiid is in, Adam, how are you feeling about Embiid? And I guess uh, the rest of the guys here where I really think it's probably Embiid and Maxi, and that's about it that I would want to get. Yeah, I mean, Embiid's the one that stands out if you can find the salary. Uh, the problem is that, you know, you do have value centers on this slate, which increases the opportunity cost of getting to him at 11-7. But great spot for him, great matchup against Washington. I'm getting 13% right now, so right around the field, slightly higher. Uh, happy to get whatever I can of Embiid. Other than that, it's just another tournament team, I think, where, sure, you can mix these guys in as contrarian plays, but, um, you know, Maxi's up to 9,200. Harris is at 6,800. I think those are the two that I would like to get to. Uh, right now, I would have 1% Harris and no Maxi. Um, again, if that comes up, great, but I think it is very difficult to really get to uh, anything from this team other than Embiid just because of the pricing. The matchup, obviously, is fantastic. Um, for the game theory of all of it all, and I think this matters a little bit more for NFL DFS and NBA, and obviously I'm coming from being an NFL DFS world every single day. Um, for Embiid here, is there any sort of game theory logic to you in paying up for him or Jokic on the slate where we do know there's going to be a lot of people, again, forcing in those 4K-ish, 5K-ish plays at center? Um, is there any hope, I guess, or any sort of strategy you would try to bring to that of just going over the top with one of these star centers? I like the idea of it. I just think it's difficult to do because of the value. Um, Jokic's salary has actually come down to where he's very similarly priced to Embiid. He's also in a good matchup. Um, right now, I'm getting a lot more Embiid than Jokic, which is interesting to me. Um, Embiid has been a much better fantasy guy this year than in the past. His assist percentage has come up. He's maintained uh, a, a very high assist percentage this year to go along with the always high usage. So um, I'm getting more Embiid than Jokic right now. I think that from a strategy standpoint, there's definitely a case for, you know, if everybody's going to play Yurtsevin and uh, Nick Richards, you know, et cetera, pay down somewhere else, pay up for those centers and hope that they just, you know, win by 30 plus points, but uh, versus the the cheap guys, but that's not really the route that I'm taking. Yep. No, that seems fair. Definitely not as many values in other positions that is going to affect the uh, process for sure. Another of those elite centers coming up in the next game. We got Denver 121.5 implied points, Atlanta, 119 implied points. I was getting a little bit more Jokic in the Sims than Embiid, but honestly pretty close to uh, the same amount for both of them. Getting 17% Jokic compared to 11% uh, Embiid's uh, Not getting anybody else really on the Nuggets side. A little bit of Michael Porter Jr., who I think works uh, with dual position eligibility, but even at a 7K price tag, as, as our pal Erkling was going to test, Michael Porter sometimes will leave you holding that bag, especially when that price tag's starting to come up. But I feel like Jokic is a solid play here. Besides that, Adam, not much else to really make a case for. Is there anything that you want to make a case for here for what should be a competitive Nuggets Hawks game. Yeah, it's another spot. It's very similar, I think, to the the six. Uh, yeah, to the Sixers, where um, you know any Jokic you're getting is great. I, like I said, am not getting much of him at all. I have like one percent compared to thirteen percent Embiid, but he's seven percent owned. You know, any any Jokic is great. It's a great matchup overall, but salaries are just up. Uh, my highest owned guy on this team right now is Porter at four percent, and the highest owned guy for the field is Jokic at seven and a half. So, despite the really good matchup, it's just tough to prioritize them because of salary. Yeah, worth pointing out the boom rating for Jokic very high, at least to start the day here, 66% boom rating for Jokic. Obviously, you know, it's coming up down to salary and the construction you're getting to go along with that. But uh, Jokic does seem like he's in a good spot. And again, going to be under 10% ownership uh, based on the current estimate. So uh, definitely a nice spot for Jokic. But again, you have to find ways to get creative there and probably have to hold your nose some of the projections as Adam hinted at there. 
On the Atlanta side, should see a lot of Clint Capella here, you would think, projected for just shy of 30 minutes in the stochastic minutes. I guess 28.2 to be fully accurate there. Uh, Capella, though, foul trouble, certainly a risk, but he's the only Hawk I see projected decently. Uh, Trey Young coming back in here, believe. Um, he's not projecting too well for me, but you can always make a case for him as one of those outlier players. Are you feeling anybody on the Hawks side? Because it does seem, again, competitive game. Uh, you know, a Nuggets team where you have to put up a lot of points and certainly be on your best to really keep up with them. Are you going to any Hawks? I'm having dif difficulty getting to them as well. Um, you know, not a great matchup against Denver, but still a 119 implied total for the Hawks. Uh, just, again, a very correctly priced team. Uh, salaries have come up a bit because of Trey Young missing the last game. Um, but, you know, with him back, or assuming he's back, um, everybody's just overpriced. Capel's getting the most ownership at 6%. 6,500, I'm getting to 1% of him. My highest owned guy here is 3% of, the, of uh, DeAndre Hunter at 5,900. It's a very difficult team to get to, I think. Yeah, I got 4% Capella, nobody else above 1%. So, yeah, another interesting matchup. Definitely a, maybe a more fun real-life game than when we're targeting for DFS, but there definitely could be some options that go off here at not a lot of ownership. Uh, next game we'll go to here, Toronto, 108.3 implied points. On the Knicks side, 112.8 implied points for them. Uh, matchup here, we're on the Raptors side. Obviously, you do have some guys that have been outlier performers on the year. I think you can chase Scotty Barnes a little bit, up just shy of 9K. $8,700 salary for him, 1.3 fantasy points per minute. Uh, besides that, I feel like I'm getting about 10% of Scotty Barnes, 5% of Dennis Schroeder, but not a lot here on this Raptor side that I'm getting based on the Sims so far. Definitely a lot more on the Knicks side. Uh, where are you landing with the Raptors here, Adam? Yeah, pretty unappealing spot. Uh, Knicks, one of the slowest teams in the league, one of the best defensive teams in the league. Nobody on the Raptors is is hurt. Prices are just where they normally are. Um, I'm getting the 2% Scotty Barnes as my highest owned guy. The field is getting around 4% of Scotty Barnes, 4% uh, Schroeder, 5% Ananobi, and th those are the high marks for this team. So uh, I think it's just another team where, you know, they're they're healthy. The prices are where they should be. And so they're basically just guys that you use as tournament filler. But other than that, they're not priorities. Is Do you think there's a certain point where Barnes and Siakam kind of level out a little bit more, where it feels like Scotty Barnes is kind of new Siakam, where contributing in every category, you know, 25% assist rate, 14% rebound rate, 24% usage. And Siakam has come down enough. Like we're now 20 games in, so it feels like this might just be the new normal, but do you think there's a shot here that at some point Siakam bounces back? Cause like, I don't say you ever pay his price tag with how he's played on the year. Yeah. I mean, I think you've kind of seen it recently where like Scotty Barnes started the year out absolutely amazing. And Siakam started out really poorly. Um, Barnes was leading Siakam in every category usage, assists, rebounds. Um, you've seen Barnes come back to earth a bit. You've also seen Siakam get closer to what you expect from him. Uh, so I think this, like now the pricing is, I think what you're just going to see going forward where they are similarly priced. Uh, we have Siakam at 8,300. We have Barnes at 8,700. Barnes does have the better positional eligibility with point guard, small forward, which is really nice. But uh, I think you're just kind of kind of going to see them, you know, continue where uh, Barnes is probably a little bit better on a per minute basis than Siakam, but not the same sort of gap that we saw earlier in the year. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting to note the growth of Scotty Barnes, but it does feel like Siakam at a certain point that either the price tag has to come down or he's going to start to level out a little bit more. And uh, definitely something to note here because nobody's playing Siakam right now. 1% ownership expected his way. Uh, the Knicks side, though, going to have one of the most important plays in the slate potentially here. Very chalky as a Harkenstein. Mitchell Robinson out for this one. We also have uh, Jalen Brunson questionable in the spot for the Knicks here against Toronto. Again, low-paced game, so uh, should be one where Isaiah Harkenstein is going to be in position to maybe grab some rebounds, maybe get some blocks. I got 51% Harkenstein in the sim, and I think, uh, for me, he actually seems like a more important play right now than a Nick Richards does. Uh, where are you landing with the Knicks side, and I guess how much Harkenstein do you think is appropriate? 
Yeah, I have 39% of him right now. So I'm right around the field at 4,600. A uh, very similar price tag or the same price tag basically to uh, Nick Richards. The matchup isn't great, but you know, 4,600, he's just going to look really, really good. We have one of the 20% chance of being optimal. So that's slightly higher than Richards. Uh, compared to Richards right now, I have, so I only have 11% Richards right now. I hadn't finished my sim when we talked about Charlotte, but I only have 11% of him. I have 39% of Hartenstein. So I am getting to him more. Yeah, Harkenstein, definitely, you know, a player that we know could fill it up. Um, what do you think the minutes load looks like for Harkenstein? Because right now, Stochastic projecting him for 27.7. So basically 28. It feels like if he's at 28 to 30, uh, it'd be impossible for me to not get him in lineups. But do you think that's like the pure ceiling or do you think that's a median range of outcomes? No, I think that's a fair projection. Like he played 29 minutes last game. Uh, that was a game that, you know, obviously Robinson started. He got hurt during the game. Uh, so the rotations don't look or didn't look exactly like they will tonight. Hartenstein started the second half, but then Robinson did come back, played about five minutes, and then never returned to the game again. Uh, but he got to you know 29 minutes in that game. I think a 27-minute projection is very fair because you certainly could get a closing lineup that has Julius Randle at the five, and you have you know just play a smaller lineup. But there's no guarantee they do that. If Hartenstein closes, he's probably playing 30 plus. Um, and if he doesn't close, then you you're, you're still very live to have like you know, 27 or so minutes, like we saw, for example, with Nick Richards in the last game that Mark Williams was out. Um, if you had to choose between Harkenstein and Richards, obviously you can play both, but is there one that you have a stronger lean on or are they basically the same play to you? Uh, they're very similar plays to me. Right now, I like I said, I do have a lot more of Hartenstein. That's not necessarily, I, I don't know if that will hold. Like it's not a really strong priority or, or take. Uh, 0.95 DraftKings points per minute for the season for Hartenstein. It's, you know, it's not like he's a 1.3 fantasy point per minute guy. Richards is actually a little bit better on a per minute basis, but um, I do still just have a little bit more of him. I think playing for Tibbs is probably kind of the tiebreaker there. Like you can just be a little bit more confident in his minutes. And then for Brunson here, Q tag on him. Do you have any lean on if he goes or not? Because obviously I think uh, Randall would take a pretty big jump boards. He already projects fairly well for me and would be a guy that gets a little bit more. Barrett would get a little bit of a boost. Uh, quickly, I suppose, get a little bit of a minutes boost as well. But if Brunson were ruled out, I guess, is it even worth talking about if he's ruled out? Do you think he's going to play or no? Yeah, I mean, for now, I'm assuming he plays. And if he does, the rest of the team isn't super appealing. You know, you can get to some Randall, some Barrett, some Brunson, but um other than Hartenstein right now, my highest owned guy is Barrett at 5%. I have 3% Randall, and that's it. Uh, if Brunson were to not play, then yeah, Barrett's going to look better. Uh, Randall's going to look better. You're going to get more solidified minutes for Hart, probably for Quickly, for DiVincenzo. Like, it has the potential to open up some decent value here if Brunson sits. Yeah, definitely a key one to watch here, of course. Deeper dive and live before lock coming up later today, and we'll be talking more about that. For the chat as well, I know you guys are already helping each other out, but if FYI, if you are looking for the process show, uh, Josh is out till Wednesday, I believe, so that is going to be the case here. No process show for the next few days. Josh gets a little bit of time uh, to center himself and get where he needs to go for the NBA home stretch. But what you guys need to center yourselves is going to be to talk about the world of underdog fantasy and actually a fun thing going on underdog today where if you are an existing person or if you are a new person over there, does seem like there was a free square today, the Tua over over 0.5 total yards. What would two have to do to not get 0.5 total yards? Oh, I love the breaking news alert. What a, what key breaking news we have here, a new customer special on the world of underdog. But that free square, always an important thing to build the pick'em slips. Of course, if you are new to the world of pick'ems, I'll give you guys the intel on there. 54.9% probability per leg is what you need to win on the world of underdog. And that is a fun part over there. Of course, underdog available in a lot of the states that don't have the traditional sports betting options out there. And of course, they're matching your deposit as well, up to $100 with the link down below in the YouTube description. 
Um, of course, they do have that pick'em contest. Again, for people in non-legal betting states, you can win up to 20x your money with a fantasy spin on the world of sports betting and prop betting. Of course, daily fantasy contests as well. Had the Dog Bowl this past weekend in Miami, giving up 200k to first place for their first ever fantasy football world championship. Underdog is a lot of fun. Again, I've basically built my YouTube channel splash on the underdog doing streams on there for the world of nfl best ball as well as the daily drafts with the battle royales every week 30k prize pools there the pick them slips you can build and not have to compete against anybody certain states as well have the pick them champions thing on there as well where you're competing in dfs style tournaments building pick them slips so you guys all know at this point, Underdog is one of the most preeminent platforms out there on the upswing. So get in the mix right now. Check the detail, uh, details in the description. And again, get the deposit match up to 100 bucks. And of course, you must be 18 plus, 21 plus in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 plus in Alabama and Nebraska. And if you are concerned with your play, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. But if you are not concerned, get into the world of Underdog and make it count for yourself over there. Uh, one of the most fun platforms on the upswing you can possibly be a part of. Uh, let's get back to the games here. And thank you to Underdog for helping us put on the show and make sure to get that two of free square that you can see on the screen. But let's talk about Utah here, a place that has nothing to do with two that I can think of. Uh, but 110.3 implied points, the Thunder, 123.3 implied points. No Lowry market in the spot. Walker Kessler still out. It uh, does seem like, despite that, we're not getting a lot of great projections for anybody besides Omer Yurtseven, who is going to be projected extremely well. 1.04 fantasy points per minute on the year has been a good fill in in the past on the Heat. Uh, now he is a popular fill-in for the Jazz here. And it seems like, Adam, this is the only player in the Jazz that I would even make a remote case for. I, I guess you could say John Collins could benefit a little bit here with the dual position eligibility, but the projection looks pretty bad. Seems like it's Yurt 7 or bust unless you are feeling differently. Yeah, no, that's how I see it as well. We only have Yurt 7 at just shy of 23 minutes, and I'm still getting 56% right now. 29% uh, ownership projected to come into him at 4,700, about a 20% chance of being optimal. Uh, no Kessler, you know, obviously doesn't hurt. Uh, you do have a Linux back. So there's still a good chance that you get a similar rotation where, you know, Yurtsevin starts the, the game, closes the first half, starts the third quarter and never comes back. That is still relatively likely. But uh, like I said, only a 23 minute projection and still getting a lot of him. Uh, if he were to play more than that, obviously just even better. But uh, right now I'm, you know, out of these three cheap centers, I'm getting Yurtsevin, I'm getting Hartenstein. Uh, I'm not getting a ton of Richards, which again, I don't, I'm not like super confident in that. Um, I think they are all very similar, but Yurtsevin is the one that I'm getting the most over the field on. Yeah, it's surprising to me because I'm actually getting a little bit less of Yurt 7 than the... Actually, I'm getting more than the field, but less than some of the other guys we talked about. Getting 35% in the sim. Obviously, Yurt 7, again, a fine fantasy point per minute producer. Uh, the matchup here, you know, and not really going against the center. You're too worried about taking things away. So I think for Yurt 7 side of the equation, uh, you know, he's a little bit cheaper than some of the other centers we talked about. Uh, but I think he's... I agree. Like, he's functionally the same play. He's just one that, for me, I'm getting a little bit less of. Thunder side of the equation seems like the only guy projected for decent ownership is going to be Jalen Williams uh, projected for 13% ownership. Everybody else here, Adam, about 5% ish. I guess Lou Gwentz Dortz, uh, Lou Dort, of course, going to be about 9%. But besides that, Thunder side, not looking the most appealing here. It feels like it's kind of your seven or nothing in this game overall. Would you agree? Yeah, mostly. Um, I am actually getting the 10% Chet, which I really like. I hope that holds. Uh, he is center only at 7,500. So on this slate, you know, obviously there is a lot of opportunity cost. You have cheap centers, you have Embiid, you have Jokic, both in very, very good matchups. So uh, it is tough to prioritize mid-range centers, but we only have about 5% ownership coming into Chet. We have more than 7% chance of being optimal. I'm getting the 10% right now. Uh, really like the idea of just, you know, kind of being 2x two, two the field on him. Seems pretty good. I'm not getting to Jalen Williams. Uh, that probably comes up a bit by lock. 6,500 small forward, power forward. He is getting 13% ownership. I think we have him a little bit under projected. Uh, he's only 
we only have them with a 3% chance of being optimal. That seems pretty low to me. Uh, we have him right now playing 32 minutes, 30.7 draft, uh, yeah, 30.7 DraftKings points. So it's not like the projection stands out as, you know, being wrong or anything. I don't, I don't know. Maybe the ownership comes. I, I think either the ownership comes down or the optimal percentage comes up by the time we get the lock. Um, I don't know which one of those two things it'll be though. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Jalen Williams, I think does sort of make sense. It does seem like, you know, the price tag going to be one of those guys that fills out a roster. But I think for me, I was getting pushed more towards the mid tier point guards. And I think that's why I didn't get much Jalen Williams, but projection looks okay. Um, certainly a, a aggressive minutes projection on him, a uh, 32 minutes from stochastic, but he's been playing 33 a game. So Jalen Williams, uh, just a crush of minutes can help you get there for sure. Uh, next game up, we got Minnesota, 109.8 implied points. New Orleans, not, that was the most inappropriate way to say that. Nolens or New Orleans is what you have to say instead of New Orleans. New Nolens, 112.8 implied points in this spot. And this game, I know I feel like I'm saying this about too many games now. I don't see a single thing I want out of either side, but let's talk about the Minnesota side first, Adam. Is there anybody you're getting to here? Because I don't see a guy even close to a 5X projection uh, value-wise. And I guess Ant's the one guy you can always make a case for when he's going to be low-owned, but uh, I just don't see anything on the Minnesota side at all. If the slate started right now, I would not have a single Minnesota player in a single lineup. Um, that's not to say that, like, if you just randomly land on Edwards or Gobert or Towns, you should, you know, scrap everything and start over. Like, obviously, they're fine, but uh, there's a lot of plays on the slate that look fine, and I'm just not getting to anything from Minnesota right now. Almost yeah, same here. Sim wise, I, I'm usually surprised with the Sim sometimes where you get in a few players where you're getting that one percent, that five percent, just because they fit a roster and how it helps to get the upside guys. But on Minnesota, like nobody coming up at all, so it does feel like they're a team that uh, probably not going to come up too often on the optimizer. Maybe they're an interesting tournament team if you have something uh, that you know go against New Orleans, but it is and not it, the most attractive matchup for sure. Yeah, and it's not just like us either. I mean, we have the highest optimal percentages on this team. We have one percent for Ant, Gobert, and Towns. We don't have a single guy on this team projected for even 1% ownership on DraftKings. Uh, so we have them projected to be a team that the field treats the same way that you and me are right now. And on the other side, you have New Orleans, a.k.a. Nolens. Uh, Brandon Ingram getting a little bit of ownership there. You have Herb Jones getting a little bit of ownership. But um, nobody here over 3% ownership on the team. Sim-wise, the guy I'm getting the most of is Jose Alvarado. I think representing that cheap pay-down point guard option to get different if you are paying down. Uh, but Pelicans coming off a good run in the in-season tournament, but it feels like these guys are appropriately priced. Obviously, they all siphon some usage away from each other, some opportunity. Um, I can't make the case for any of these guys, Adam. Uh, can you? No, not really. Uh, 2% Herb Jones, 1% Ingram is where I'm at right now. Uh, Ingram still only has shooting guard eligibility on DraftKings, which doesn't make a ton of sense and also makes it more difficult to roster him than if he had, say, small forward eligibility. Um, the price tag has come down a little bit to 8K, but still just very difficult to get there. And uh, again, we have the field not really getting to any of these guys either. Uh, Jose Alvarado at 3%, Ingram at 2% are the two highest owned guys here. Uh, Alvarado, 4.5% chance of being optimal. Herb Jones at 3.5 are the two highest optimal percentages. Yeah, not a lot to love in this game, it does seem like, but certainly a contrarian game to go to if you are a person that just likes to play contrarian builds for the sake of it. Uh, next game up, which maybe will have a little bit more. Nope, not, not going to see a lot here either, potentially. Chicago-Milwaukee. Uh, Chicago, 111 implied points in this game. Milwaukee, 122.5 implied points in there. And big favorites are Milwaukee in this spot. Chicago, no Zach Levine once more. Uh, but we are still seeing aggressive price tags in DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, uh, Kobe White for what these guys have been all year. And as a result, Adam, I'm getting a taste of these guys. Nobody above 5%, though. Nobody above 4%, actually, on the bull side. 
Kind of feels like you should get more. Obviously, Levine's been out a few games, so I guess I could get why the price tags have caught up. But um, no Levine, but still nobody here stands out as being that appealing on my end. How about for you? No, same for me. Uh, prices have just adjusted. You know, Levine's been out for a while. Uh, it is a solid spot. Milwaukee has struggled defensively this year. But Kobe White, 7%, is my highest owned guy from this team right now. I'm only getting to 3%. DeRozan, 3%. Patrick Williams, 1% Vooch. Uh, it's just another team where and, – and we've seen this for most of the season from DraftKings where – uh, they're, they've just been aggressive with adjusting prices. And so, you know, yes, any of these guys look fine, but they're just all correctly priced, if not a little bit overpriced. And it's already adjusted for Levine missing time. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Definitely the price tag's almost a little aggressive for what these guys have been playing in general with the rates without Levine, but they are there. They're tournament plays. Uh, certainly more opportunity to go around, but it's not reflecting well enough in the projections relative to these guys' salaries. On Milwaukee side, we have seen a little bit of a less uh, fantasy productive Giannis this year, obviously with Damon in the mix. Going to take some of those possessions away, taking some assist rate off uh, the table, taking some usage off the table that could be going Giannis's way. Uh, Giannis, as a result, I mean, we have a slate where there's no Kyrie Irving. I think the case could be a lot stronger for Luka. We talked about the centers as well. Uh, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, assuming that both of them are playing today, going to look like a lot stronger plays than Giannis. It kind of feels like Adam, and I don't know that you could ever fully make this case because Giannis, we know, can break the you know an outlier game at some point. It feels like he's still priced like last year, Giannis, every single slate that at least that I've been playing, and it doesn't seem like the upside is there to the same extent. So, uh, can you make any case for Giannis or anybody else on the Milwaukee side? I mean, I think the Giannis case is just simply he's really good and he's power forward eligible, whereas Embiid and Jokic are center. But that being said, they're just much better point per minute guys. Uh, I agree with you that Giannis is still not necessarily all the way priced, you know, priced all the way where he was last year, but he's still pretty close to it. And I think you're just kind of in a tricky spot with him. It kind of reminds me of um, like Steph Curry in general, where if you were to actually price Giannis the way he's produced, he would probably just be like, the most popular payup guy on the slate because if Giannis were just like 10k you're just clicking him into like every lineup because it's Giannis and the upside is there but that's kind of like the salary that he's actually earned this year and he's just really really expensive the guy I'm actually getting to here the most um, I have seven percent Chris Middleton he played 29 and a half minutes last game now that was an in-season tournament game they probably were a little more aggressive than they would be in just a regular December regular season game but um, I also don't think that they were playing him minutes that they're not comfortable playing him. I don't think they were like willing to risk Middleton getting hurt just for the in-season tournament. So uh, I think we're pretty much at the point where you can just confidently expect 28 to 30 minutes from Middleton, 6,300 shooting guard, small forward, 5% owned, 6% chance of being optimal. Uh, that's where I'm getting the most. But again, I'm just having trouble prioritizing much of anything from this team. Yeah, I did get, I'm actually with you on 7% for Middleton as well. Um, Actually took some overs on him last week and I felt was like a little bit uncomfortable with the minutes capping what it was, but I agree being around 28 minutes, like you're getting probably the best version of Middleton and uh, stochastic today projected for 27.4 minutes. So it does seem like he fits relative to the price tag. Got a little bit of Malik Beasley as well, but really nothing to write home about here. It feels like for the most part, Bucks appropriately priced. And like Adam mentioned, maybe some tournament upside for Giannis, but he basically would need to, I think, like have Dame not be on the court for some portion of the time to hit that true ceiling. Uh, but definitely a contrarian play and does have the power forward eligibility, as Adam also mentioned. Uh, Dallas, no Kyrie Irving in the spot. He was in a, a wheelchair because of a bruised foot where the reports floating around out there, uh, but he's going to be out today. It seems like no matter what, 
as a result, we are going to see an increased projection for guys like Dante Exum. Tim Hardaway Jr. comes up a lot. Uh, Simwise, actually one of my highest exposed Sim players. And then, of course, you have Luca, who I think is the player where you go to him, the assumption that maybe Exum, maybe Hardaway don't get there and absorb some of the workload. But let's start with Luca in the spot, Adam, where it is a, a nice spot for Luca, obviously consolidating the workload that Kyrie's had on the year. Kyrie had 26% assist rate, 28% usage rate. Uh, some of that's going to flow Luca's way. That said, I, I kind of am grading him out closer to a Giannis than I am a Jokic or Embiid. Obviously, the tournament upside is huge for him. I'm still getting more than the field. Uh, field projected to be at 9% ownership. I got 11. But it feels like Luka is not projecting as well for me as Stochastic. Where are you landing with Luka in this debate, of course, with uh, no Kyrie Irving today? Yeah, I'm right around the field. I think, like, even with the relatively cheap centers on this slate, it's just difficult to pay all the way up for these guys. And so I've been right around the field on Embiid. I'm right around the field on Luka. I was actually under the field on Jokic. Um, I'm getting to 9% of him. Uh, clearly, I will be happy with whatever amount of Luka I can get. Uh, he's great anyway. You take out Kyrie, he's going to look even better. But, you know, only a 115 implied total for this team, relatively low in today's NBA. Uh, and he's just really expensive at a premium position where you can just find really good high upside guys for less. So uh, happy to get whatever Luka I can, but only getting around 9% right now. Uh, Hardaway is the guy that I am clearly prioritizing right now. I'm getting 82% of him. I hate it. Um, Tim Hardaway, rostering Tim Hardaway is never a lot of fun, but he's shooting guard small forward, so you can fit him into a lot of lineups. He's 5,400, should see increased playing time, increased scoring opportunities without Kyrie. Probably just going to be a spot where I eat the chalk. Um, I'm also getting 30% Derek Jones, who's 5,300, only getting 9% ownership. We have him with an 11, uh, 11.5% chance of being optimal at 9%. So um, he, we have him going a little bit under owned. I'm getting there. I'm not really getting to Exum. I'm not getting to Seth Curry at all. Uh, we have Curry with a 21% ownership projection, only 7% chance of being optimal. Right now, I'm not getting there. Maybe that changes by lock. You know, I, he did start the second half. Um, I assume for now he's going to start today just based on what we saw last game uh, at 4,100. But, you know, not a not a super high usage guy. Doesn't need to take on a big playmaking role because Luka's still there. So uh, I'm not getting to much Curry, but I am getting to a lot of Hardaway. I am getting to a lot of Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, I'm getting a more Exum than you. I am getting this uh, for, for Hardaway. I'm getting 63%, so a little bit less there, but still double the field uh, based on the current ownership. For Exum, I'm getting 27%. So I think uh, I'm not sure what the difference is. What do you, what's your minutes projecting for, uh, projection for Exum? Uh, so I, I just used our projections. So 33. Yeah, we have him at 33. Uh, 28, 28 DraftKings points. Like we have him projected well enough. Uh, a little surprised that, for, like from a points per minute standpoint, it seems a little bit low. Uh, he's been about a one fantasy point per minute guy this year. Um, we don't have him projected there, but again, it's not a great matchup. I think he's fine. Point guard, small forward is nice. 5,700. He's getting 9% ownership. I have 6%. Um, but yeah, just kind of not getting a ton of him. And we did just get an update that Joel Embiid went through shoot around. Oh, okay. So there we go. So we should be seeing Embiid today. So that won't be, hopefully it won't be a curveball to deal with for the guys coming up later today. But yeah, I guess I'll make the case for Exum a little bit more. I think the rate's looking good. 1.01 fantasy points for him on the minute. Obviously, Exum has always been a pretty good, uh, you know, multiple category contributor uh, at 19% usage rate, 11% rebound rate, 23% re uh, assist rate on the year. Um, I have him today projected for 0.98 fantasy points per minute. So a little bit less than usual, but because of that 33 minutes, I think he's a stronger player with the dual position eligibility, but it does seem like Hardaway still, you know, a, a jump above, but um, do you think those guys pull from each other at all with how they play? Like just in terms of the opportunity and taking what, you know, Kyrie's leaving behind. Cause it feels a little bit uncomfortable to play both guys, but I think with the dual position eligibility and the price tag, like I could play X-Men Hardaway and I wouldn't mind it, but it, it does feel like they're kind of pulling from each other a little. I think with Kyrie being out, I'm not too worried about it. Like that's, you know, sure, they're, they're teammates and neither one is 
the primary guy because you have Luca. But I think what Kyrie is, you know, leaving out there overweight is is more important to me than you know any you know Exum versus Hardaway negative correlation. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And yeah, Seth Curry, for what it's worth, does seem like he'll be very highly owned. Uh, but as Adam mentioned, same thing for me. I'm getting about half what the Sim had for him. Uh, 21% ownership. I'm getting about 9%. So uh, for the spot, does seem like a... And Mike dying to put the Joel Embiid graphic up, I think. Just showing his Sixers love is always, of course, our producer, Mike, loves the Philly teams and um, disappointed, as as many Philly fans here near me uh, were yesterday with the Eagles showing on Sunday Night Football. Um, on the other side of the equation, we do have Memphis here. Memphis actually has some interesting plays as well. I think I'm getting a little more Derek Rose than I would have thought. A uh, 25% ownership for Derrick Rose is what I'm getting from the Sim. He is projected for 17% for the field. Desmond Bain coming off of some outlier days recently. He looks good to me. 12% ownership, getting a little bit more at 15%. I feel like this game kind of looks good overall, Adam, but the Memphis side, I think, has a few things that are going to be definitely less owned on the Mavs side of the equation. Yeah, uh, there's two guys on Memphis really getting ownership. $4,700 Derrick Rose, 17% ownership, 17% chance of being optimal. $8,700 shooting guard, small four, Desmond Bain. So a nice price drop there. 12% ownership, 11% chance of being optimal. Um, everybody else is like 5% or less. I'm only getting the two guys from Memphis right now, but I'm getting a lot of both of them. I have 53% Derrick Rose at the moment. I have 21% Desmond Bain. Very, very happy to get over the field on Desmond Bain. Less enthusiastic about being over the field on Derrick Rose, but I get, you know, I, I get why it's happening. He's 4,700. Uh, should just play enough at that price tag where he's going to look good. But uh, Desmond Bain's great. Very, very happy to get whatever I can of him. Yeah, I'm with you on that. The Bain part, I agree. Like, love him as a player. I think he's shown some growth this year in terms of the, you know, the opportunities had with John Morant out. Uh, but for Derrick Rose, I agree. Like, Rose seems like a worse version of himself this year um, in terms of pretty much every category, but he does fit the salary and what we talked about. And again, I'm getting a lot of Jaden Ivey, getting a lot of Killian Hayes. So, like, I think Derrick Rose is kind of the same kind of play. Uh, but it does show you what the Sims are pushing you towards, which is like a point guard, you know, four to six K as kind of a, a mid pay down option. And um, Derek Rose certainly is that option, Adam, even though yeah. prob probably the grossest ownership I would say that we have on the slate that we're both getting more than the field of. Yeah. I mean, 226 minutes this year, 0.91 DraftKings points per minute. Like he's still fine. He's obviously not prime Derek Rose, but um, I agree with you too. Like you're just kind of getting pushed that direction. I went back and looked to see what I had of the Detroit guys you mentioned. I have 36% IV, only 9% Hayes, but you know, between them, basically 45% combined ownership in that price range, then getting 52% rows. So uh, I am just kind of getting pushed towards those right around 5k guards. Yeah, which is an important part of the sim process, by the way, which you talk about a lot here, of course. Uh, we do have the the baseline stuff going on, of course, for Stochastic. Make sure to check out the Sims product. Check out the lineup generator as well. Obviously, it's a long video today doing 13 games, but you guys know the deal at this point. The Stochastic products will change what you're trying to do in terms of the Sims, especially. Um, and just things that they reveal with how the process goes, where uh, you certainly don't expect to get that much Derek Rose or that much of these Detroit point guards, but because how the lineup works, because how the slate works, that's uh, important info to have both for us and for you guys out there when you are trying to build lineups. Uh, next game up, we got San Antonio, 108.5 implied points. Houston, 117 implied points on their end. Uh, nobody injured of note that I'm seeing here. I guess no Oladipo, but that's pretty much been the case for uh, forever at this point. Um, we are seeing decent projections, it looks like, or decent ownership projections on Jeremy Sochan or Sohan, uh, Devin Vassell as well. These guys project about 10% ownership, Benyama about 7% ownership. Um, I'm ba basically with the field and all these guys, Adam. I feel like Wemby, uh, Vassell, uh, Sohan, I think all these guys look okay, but again, not really outlier plays. And, and Sohan fits the point guard stuff that we just talked about. Yeah, uh, he's the guy I'm getting the most of. I have 19% fields at 10. So I'm basically 2x on Sohan, which 
I don't love, but again, he's just in that price range. He's good enough. The matchup against Houston isn't great. This is a very slow Houston team now that they have Fred Van Vliet, uh, but he's just cheap. He's at a price point that's going to allow you to build good lineups around him. So I am getting there. Uh, I'm getting the 15% Devin Vassell, who's only 9% owned, 6,300. He's been in the starting lineup uh, lately after Pop said that he would not be starting. So, you know, again, Pop just kind of says whatever Pop wants, but um, he's been back in the starting lineup. Minutes should be there. I'm a little over the field on him. Those are the two I'm getting to the most. Uh, I have 8% Wemby, which is slightly over the field. Power forward center, 8,800. He did start at center last game, which is really interesting. Zach Collins did not start. Uh, that If that continues, and you know they've kind of been messing with their starting lineup, but if that continues, that is good for Wemby. You know, you're going to just get – he's already a block machine, but you're going to get just more block upside and definitely more rebounding upside. So uh, that is something to pay attention to. He's – been about a 1.4 fantasy point per minute guy anyway this season if he's playing the bulk of his minutes at center that's probably just going to go up yeah Collins just gobbles up like stats across every category you know 21 usage rates 12 rebound rate uh 20 assist rate so anything you do add on to Wemby from that uh definitely be a positive and I agree like I think Wemby is now appropriately priced the projections now kind of match up uh, definitely compared to where he was earlier in the year and I like the tournament play for Wemby dual position eligibility like I think he's kind of interesting play to go to here against a Houston team that I mean, Sangoon, I feel like it's begging to be blocked on any, on any play he's putting up there. Um, on the other side, we do have Sangoon, though, projected for about uh, 8% ownership, it looks like. The chalk play, though, on the Houston side does look like it'll be Jabari Smith. 23% uh, ownership going his way. Sim-wise, I'm holding hands with the field on all of these guys, but I always do like Sangoon. I feel like I made a remark to Josh early in the year, one of the NBA shows, that I feel like Sangoon is like bootleg Jokic, like the, the carbon copy of the RC Cola Jokic. And he's fully, like, you know, materialized into that role. So I never have a tournament issue going to him. But anybody you're prioritizing here meaningfully, Adam? Uh, Shangun's the guy I'm getting the most of, which I am very happy about. Uh, I'm getting 14%. He's 9% owned, 8,900. He's been like a 1.3 to 1.4 fantasy point per minute guy. When he's not in foul trouble, he's playing low to mid 30s. It's a good spot overall against San Antonio. You know, fast-paced team, not a good defensive team overall. So happy to get there. Uh, we do have ownership coming into Jalen Green at 12%, 23% coming into Jabari Smith, 13% to Tari Eason. Uh, I'm not getting as much of those guys. I have 8% Green, 6% Smith. 2% Eason. I wouldn't be mad if I were getting more. I think that they are good plays, but you know, we've kind of talked about some other popular guys where, you know, I'm, I am getting to Yurtsevin. I am getting to Rose. I am getting to Hardaway. Uh, it looks like these Houston guys are relatively popular and I'm not getting there and just, I guess not prioritizing them versus the cheaper popular guys. Yeah, it does seem like there'll be a lot of Jabari Smith with cheap center X that are going to be in lineups tonight. So something to keep in mind here if you are building that way. Definitely want to decrease the ownership product with some other positions. Obviously easy to do in NBA, but um, Jabari Smith definitely looking chalky. I get why, um, but I was getting under the field on him sim-wise, getting 19% compared to the 23% uh, the field's expected to have. And Tarisen, yeah, sim-wise to get a little Tarisen as well. 24% Tarisen. Uh, obviously just a pure value play with dual position eligibility, uh, but definitely not the most exciting play to get to. And it does seem like uh, going to be a guy that definitely comes up easily with the projections that we have out there. Yeah. Uh, next uh, game Gillum up, guys, it's national. Oh, 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 sorry. sorry. No, I'll say Josh Gillum asked in chat if uh, we had Hardaway projected to start. It's hard to answer because we don't have like a is starting column, um, but we have him at 34 and a half minutes. We have Seth Curry at 24. So I'm assuming that we're expecting Curry to start and then Hardaway to just play, you know, 34 and a half off the bench. He played 36 and a half off the bench last game. Uh, so my answer there is I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure we have him not expect like we're not expecting him to start. So if this starting lineup comes out and he's not starting, I don't think it's like, oh, Hardaway's not starting. Let's downgrade him. I think we just have him playing a lot of minutes off the bench. 
Right, right. Yeah. The minutes will be there for him. It's not one of those insecure roles that you think that we sometimes see in NBA DFS so you try to avoid. Um, guys, smash the like button if you can, by the way. I know we got about, let's see, where are we at? About 500 people watching right now, 100 likes. If you can, smash that like button here. Of course, we're always trying to fight the tide here on YouTube. Tons of content out there. And of course, the stochastic streams. Always Adam here bringing the great takes. Josh bringing the great takes. Help us out here and keep that great legacy alive by hitting the like button for us. And of course, subscribe to the channel if you're not yet. Stochastic, great content going on all day long across the NFL and NBA. Um, and always all sorts, uh, NHL too, always doing great things on here as well. So any sport you want right now, we have it here on Stochastic. So hit the like button and subscribe if you can. Uh, last couple games here, we got Brooklyn, 116 implied points heading into Sacramento, 120.5 implied points for them. The Brooklyn side, though, Adam, we can make up some time here. I don't see a single thing on Brooklyn side that I like. I did get a little bit of Mikhail Bridges, but I mean, basically the field's amount, 1.1% projected ownership. Sim-wise, I got 1.3. Uh, the rest of these guys, I could take or leave completely. Nobody stands out to meaningfully unless you feel differently. No, I think we're back to another team where it's just like, yeah, if I get there, cool. Uh, if not, also cool. Uh, the only guy I'm getting right now is I do have 12% Cam Johnson at 1% owned. Uh, that's an interesting one. And I think this is an example of, you know, when you or me or Josh, whoever talk about our player exposures, you have to keep in mind that everything works together. And so, like, I just said that I'm not getting around the field on Jabari Smith at 6,200 or whatever he was. Cameron Johnson's a perfectly fine pivot at 1% owned and the same price range. Um, but if we were to get closer to lock and I start getting more Jabari Smith, I would expect, you know, Cam Johnson to go away. I don't think Cam Johnson's like anything special here. I just think he's a logical, Oh, I already have Rose. I already have Hardaway. I already have Yurtsevin. I need a $6,400 power forward. And I don't want it to be Jabari Smith in this lineup. So here's Cam Johnson. Uh, I think is basically the role that he is serving. Other than that, I'm not getting to anybody from Brooklyn. If you were to get to Mikel Bridges, Nick Claxton, those guys are clearly fine, but you know, it's just, they're priced appropriately uh, in Claxton's case, $6,700 center. It's just tough on the slate where you have Jokic and bead Yurtsevin, Richards, Hartenstein. Uh, it's just hard to get to pretty good, you know, mid range guys. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And I think your point too, you know, I mentioned earlier with the Sims as well, but very important to understand when you are running the Sims, like what goes into that and what it means. And it doesn't mean that, you know, Cam Johnson's the play of the night, but it does mean that you're trying to increase that ownership somewhere if you are going with a chalkier build. And Cam Johnson's certainly one of those guys that can do that, uh, but he did not come up a lot for me for some reason, I think. Uh, even though I have him higher projected than Stochastic does, so I'm a little bit surprised that I didn't get him, uh, but I definitely got more Jabari Smith for myself. Um, Sacramento on the other side, though, nobody here projected over 5% ownership either. Um, Malik Monk, I think, looks okay with the dual position eligibility, but his price tag has come up enough that it feels like you are fully paying for what you are getting out of Malik Monk this year, which has been a 1.1 fantasy point per minute guy. Um, De'Aaron Fox projects well, I think, but I don't get a lot of him either. Only got 1% in the sim, or I guess 1.3%. Are you getting any kings here, Adam? Because it feels like, like there's like fine plays here. It's just nobody that stands out meaningfully on a 13-game slate. Yeah, it's another one of those teams. Um, I am getting 15% Monk, 3% owned. We have one of the 6% chance of being optimal. Uh, again, like I don't love $6,100 Malik Monk. It's pretty scary, but just not getting ownership. I think he's, you know, he, he I just you know talked about Cam Johnson as like a uh, Jabari Smith pivot. I think as a Jalen Green pivot, Malik Monk is fine. Clearly Jalen Green's going to be the guy that you would prefer if ownership just isn't a thing. But if you have relatively chalky lineups and you just need a high upside $6,100 guy, Monk does fit. Um, he's averaged around 25, 26 minutes per game in the games with Fox this year. He's been playing a bit more lately, 1.1 DraftKings points per minute, like you said. So I'm using him as a contrarian play right now, may or may not be the case by lock, but I don't have any real problem with it. Other than that, though, I'm having trouble getting to this team. And I think the reason is just the guys that you would really like to get to 
De'Aaron Fox, point guard, Demonis Sabonis, center. And this is a slate where you have very high opportunity cost at both because that's where our value is. And then in the case of Sabonis, you also have Embiid and Jokic at the top. So um, other than Monk, I'm getting the 3% Keegan, uh, Keegan Murray, 1% Fox, 1% Sabonis. Would not be mad if I were getting more, but it's just tough to get to them at their salaries on a healthy team. If you were the same situation, Adam, to go back to the Jordan Poole conversation, um, Malik Monk is put in Jordan Poole's spot. Do you think he's better than Jordan Poole in that same situation? I think I'm better than Jordan Poole. I, I think he I think he would be a little better. I think like he's at least like he's developed into a role player who knows what he's supposed to do, whereas Jordan Poole's got this blank canvas and doesn't know what to do. So like I've been impressed by Malik Monk. Like I think I've always kind of had a little bit of a like any guys a heater off the bench, I do tend to take a shine to, but yeah. he's been like well, good this year. Like he's a shooting well, 60% true shooting. Like he's doing what he has to do for you know the six man kind of role. Yeah, plus one point six offensive EPM this year. Uh for reference, Jordan Poole is at negative one point five. Jesus, Jordan Poole. It's always fun to beat up on Jordan Poole. Um, Portland side, not a lot to love here. Jeremy Grant out for this one, it does seem like. But besides that, you're having Simons in, um, at least in the projections right now. So he is taking a lot of the uh, the workload here. 38-point uh, projections, what I have, Matt, 34 from Stochastic. Uh, besides that, though, I actually didn't get a single Blazer in the Sims. Obviously, a really low total for them. Uh, big dogs at home. Are you getting any Blazers at all? Because, God, these guys are priced. 8300 for Malcolm Brogdon, 8K for Shade and Sharp is a lot when you have Simons back in. Do you, do you see a case for any of them at all? I'm not getting there, uh, which was, like, surprising to look at just because I've been getting so much Simons lately. Uh, this does have the potential to change. DeAndre Ayton's questionable. Malcolm Brogdon's questionable. Jeremy Grant is out. So there is the potential for this team to look a bit more appealing by the time we get to lock. You know, if Ayton's out, then you get the whole – do operate at center at 4,600 thing, just another center in that price range, which we don't need. Um, if Brogdon's out, Simons and Sharp are going to look better. Uh, Simons at 7,800, you know, the, the salary is back to where it should be. He was 5,500 like two games ago. Uh, that was a clear mispricing, but now you're back to basically where he should be. If everybody's in, it's just, I don't have anybody from Portland right now. Uh, again, if Brogdon were to be out, Aiton were to be out, then you start getting this team a little bit. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And the Clipper side, again, for what it's worth, it's one of the lowest supply totals of the day with 220 in this one. But the Clipper side, 116.5. Um, I got a little bit of Kawhi Leonard in the spot. I think he projects fairly well, uh, but still getting less than the field. 9% projected ownership for the field. Sim-wise, I got 7%. Um, Norman Powell projected for a little bit of ownership at 6%. I got 4 But everybody else here, I feel like just kind of guys that we rotate in for pieces, Adam. Um, anybody in the Clippers that you want to prioritize on a spot where, again, they really should, uh, at least on paper, put it down pretty hard in Portland. Yeah, I don't have any priorities here. I'm getting a little bit of uh, Paul George, a little bit of Kawhi, a little bit of Harden. Clearly, any of those guys are fine. Uh, but they're pretty much correctly priced for playing with each other. Kawhi's getting the most ownership at 9%. You know, I have one 5% George is my highest owned guy. Um, I don't, you know, any of those three guys, you can throw Zubats in there too. Uh, any of those guys are perfectly fine. They're just not priorities. And also one chat here to answer here uh, from Phil in the chat, of course, who's a member. I'm um, asking you if there were only 20 maxing, is Sims max worth it? Or is the data in Sims good enough? Obviously, I would tend to say that the more lineups you have that are simulated against each other, the better you're going to have. But obviously, it's relative to your your personal bankroll and how much you want to put in. But um, Adam, do you have a lean on that? Is it worth getting the Sims max if you're doing just 20 maxes? I mean, I think the big thing is how much volume are you playing? Um, I honestly, off the top of my head, don't know the difference in price. But uh, that's really what it comes down to. Like, like you said, the more lineups you can sim, the better. It's just you also don't want to make it so, you know, no matter how good the product you're using is, you're not going to profit. So uh, it, it really depends on how much volume you're playing. Like if you're only playing $80 or if you're, you know, playing like three max stuff on top of it. Uh, but yeah, I think like that's really what it is. Like use what makes 
sense price-wise. Like, obviously, you want to use the most stuff you can, but you also don't want to bury yourself. You're right. You don't want to like increase the rake that you're paying basically by having another product that you can't afford. So, um, yeah, personal choice, Phil, but I would say if you can afford it, certainly make it work. But obviously uh, your play and your bankroll are going to be the most important things. Um, that rounds it out guys. 13 games here. Smash the like button. Adam, any final plugs for you? Any other content? Are you on deeper dive later? Today? Yeah, I'm on deeper dive later. I'll have a lineup generator video out, uh, this afternoon also. All right, so there you go. So check out Adam's stuff. Of course, follow him at ShipMyMoneyDFS. Follow me at Chris Spags. If you want some showdown content, I'm going to hop over on my Splash Play channel and do some showdown videos. Of course, using stochastic tools. So the same process um, of building lineups here that we always try to advocate for. And again, I appreciate all you guys being here today. Tune in later today. Of course, Deeper Dive, Live Before Lock for NBA. More coming for NFL as well all day long. It is a big double header for Monday Night Football, so it should be a fun one. Appreciate all you guys hanging out. Come, Josh coming back in a few days as well. So if you miss him, have no fear. He'll be back in your life momentarily. Appreciate all you guys hanging out. Thanks to Adam. Thanks to Mike behind the glass. We'll see you guys again soon. Enjoy your days. Good luck. Bye.